Welcome to Vriedel. A mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book. One chapter at a time. Alberta's forests matter to all of us. That's why Alberta's forest industry works to keep them sustainable now and for future generations. By planning 200 years ahead, helping control the spread of fire and disease, and planting and nurturing two trees for every one harvested, we keep our forests standing strong. To learn more about how our forests take care of us and how we take care of them, visit loveabforests.com. Halloween. Yes. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. When this episode comes out, it'll be tomorrow. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, we're Halloween people. I love me some Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's my uh, favorite. It's a good time of year. Nita, not a big fan of horror as a genre. <laughs> I know. It, it's weird. But loves her some Halloween. I like spoopy Halloween. <laughs> yes. Not spooky Halloween. No, I like spoopy Halloween. I like... The fun costumes and all the candy and the, you know, the fun Halloween. Bit of a different Halloween this year because of the ongoing gestures wildly at everything. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Yeah. Halloween our... is ideal this year. And this COVID thing has ruined that completely. Yeah, it's Saturday. It's on a Saturday of a full moon. Just kind of worked out. <laughs> like, it, it's perfect. But uh, there will be no Halloween parties for us this year. Uh, our annual <laughs> our annual Halloween party that we used to host kind of got put on indefinite hiatus when we had children because it was hard to plan around them. But, yeah, and it's hard to party way into the wee hours when you have a tiny child trying yeah. to sleep. But, I mean, we kind of put a pin in that. Uh, the plan is that when they're a little older, we will, we will start having people over again. Uh, but our friends, who for whom Halloween is Christmas... And they go all out. Okay. I love Halloween. I really do. Our friend Mike loves Halloween to 11. Yes. Like, he takes the week off of work to decorate his house. He's been building props for weeks, possibly months. Yeah, even though they're not expecting a lot of trick-or-treaters this year and decided they were going to scale back, they still have a whole, like, jungle scene in their front yard. And oh, this yeah. is a scaled-back version of their Halloween. It 100% is. He built, like, a haunted maze in his front yard last year. He makes the news. Yeah, he's in the news uh, last couple of years for right? his Halloween displays. Yeah, Mike loves Halloween to a level I can only aspire to. Yeah, but they host uh, a big annual party. Yes. And uh, they have been disappointed that they also have to call it this year. It is the responsible thing to do. It is. It is still heartbreaking. It is. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, next year's Halloween will be back to relatively normal. He will make it extra big to compensate. Yeah. And we'll be... <laughs> Lord help us. And we'll be able to take the kids out trick-or-treating and hand out candy again, which yeah. we're refraining from doing this year. I know some people have worked out some workarounds, but... We just kind of decided we'd call it this year. But as we uh, as we discuss the uh, the witchiest time of year, one might say, there's hmm. some witchery afoot in our book as well. Yes. So now is as good a time as any to give a brief recap of chapter four of our novel in which 
Tracker and Leopard are sent off on an errand by the Sangoma. Yes. They uh, go to retrieve uh, a relic, an artifact, a talisman of hers. A gallbladder. A gallbladder. <laughs> uh, which has fallen into the clutches of a monster, an ogre. Yes. His brother, the vampire, nowhere to be seen. <laughs> oh, dear. Tracker also leaves Kava on uh, pretty poor terms. Yes. And... Uh, he regales us with a couple stories about the leopard as they head off on this little side adventure. Yeah. And as they wrap that up and return home, we segue into chapter five of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. So first things first, Leopard takes a Sanba Sam's head. Uh, suggesting he's going to use it basically as a trophy. He's taking it for for trophy purposes. Uh, when I read that bit, I wasn't sure if he was taking it for trophy purposes or for like safety purposes. I got the impression trophy purposes, and I say that partly because he then later uses it as a bargaining chip. Oh, yeah. Later we find out it's for trophy purposes. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if, according to the lore, it was one of those things like, remove the head from the monster to keep it from regenerating. Well, I mean, Marlon Marlon James's version of this monster definitely has some vampire traits. Certainly his brother Sasambasam has uh, some vampire traits. <laughs> you so, just like saying that. So it might very well be that there's some like chop off its head stuff, its mouthful of garlic going on here, but Could be. Uh, that's hard to that's say. what I was thinking. One thing they do take as a precaution is undue care on their return back to the Sangoma's Yeah, hut. they take the long way around. Uh, the very long way. A circuitous route back. Largely, I assume, to avoid any chance that Sasab and Sam might be pursuing them. Yes. We do not encounter Vampire Brother in this chapter. Mm -hmm. But almost certainly you don't introduce Chekhov's Vampire in Act 1 without paying it off in Act 3. So yeah, Chekhov's Sasab Sam? So uh, we can look forward to the other half of this monstrous duo showing up at some point. Alas, uh, they return to the Sangoma's hut and discover a massacre. Uh, yes. Most of the Mingi children have been murdered. The hut is on fire and the Sangoma is dead when they get back. And they like they see the signs of it before they even get back to the hut. They oh, know something's, yeah. something's gone terribly wrong. Well, because they encounter a boy a ways away. Yeah, like speared or arrowed. Yeah, who's been killed. Yeah. And they kind of give him a pseudo burial because he's in the river. Yeah. So they... Flip him over, face up, close his eyes, and sort of send him on his way, which I thought was very kind of touching. In chapter one, Tracker discusses going to essentially the other side, and he travels there through the water. And they do a lot of kind of down-the-river burials, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. in this chapter, and I wonder if that's kind of part and parcel, if that's linked together. I was curious very, about that. Uh, an appropriate cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Sangoma is dead when they get to her hut, which is ablaze. She has been speared, but she's also pinned to the roof, not by the spear. And Tracker suspects it's some kind of magic. He actually calls it some manner of witchery. We don't hear him say it out loud at this juncture, but this is the point where he suspects the coup. Yes. Because there's only one other witch that he knows besides the Sangoma, and that's Hank Witchman. Hank Witchman! Yeah. Leopard and Tracker work hard to save what kids remain. And thankfully, our core group of Mingi children are the survivors. <laughs> uh, the ones who we've gotten to know over the past yes. couple chapters. The Smoke Girl, Giraffe Boy, Ball Boy, a couple others. Yeah. Tracker needs to save uh, one of the boys from hyenas, 
like a lot of hyenas. Yeah, like a pack of hyenas has been a, probably attracted by the massacre. All the the smell of the blood, yep. the smoke, there's probably a lot attracted. Of, there's a lot of death. It it attracts scavengers. Um, he does get bit pretty bad in the hand as well in the ensuing skirmish. He and Leopard manage to drive off the pack though yeah. and save the boy. The so. description is gross. Yeah, and then they set about kind of taking account of the situation, uh, accounting for all of the dead, and trying to perform some manner of funerary rites for whom they can. Yeah, they they bury some of them, and then they realize that that's a lot, and so they send the rest of them down the river. Those who weren't burnt up in the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Once I realized what was happening, it broke my heart. It, this is essentially an orphanage. Kind of, yeah. And, like, the worst kind of orphanage where you know no one is ever going to come and get these children. And they've been slaughtered. And they're just children. Mm -hmm. And so we've already discussed many times over that Nita has a serious problem with harm coming to innocent children. Yeah. And this was hard. I tried not to picture it. After they've done what they can. For the dead. Uh, Leopard asks Tracker to, quote, cast blame. And again, Tracker doesn't say out loud, but Tracker and Leopard both know who's responsible. Tracker says as much. Yeah. He's like, why? You you know who it is, too. Yeah, we both know who did this. They debate briefly over who should track the killers down, and they both have fairly strong points either way. Someone needs to stay behind with the kids. That much is clear. Leopard's like, I should go. You're injured. I'm fighting fit. I can take these jerks down and tracker's like you'll never catch up to them in time i can follow them with my nose and i'm more than capable of of handling them even with one hand wounded and in the end leopards kind of like begrudgingly yeah okay you'll you'll probably find them easier than i will before they get back yeah <laughs> and so leopard helps bandage him up as best he can and then stays behind to watch the five remaining children or at least so we think we find out later on that leopard actually follows tracker yeah Tracker follows the trail of the killers, and he notes it's the exact route that he and Kava took to get to the Sangoma's hut the first time, and that pretty much clinches it. Mostly I'm impressed that he remembered, because it seemed like such an elaborate route to begin with. Mm -hmm. But probably recognizable, especially through an enchanted wood. Fair enough. And, of course, when he catches up to the killers, he discovers a camp with men from the Ku tribe. Go figure. Led by beloved uncle. Ugh. And Hank Witchman is there, and, sure enough, so is Kava who is the one who led them to the Mingi children. That, okay. Can we talk for a moment about Kava? Yes, just, we can. Just for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. This is the appropriate time. What is his problem? Tracker. Yeah, but, oh, talk S about blowing something out of proportion. Yeah, like, when we got to this part of the book... I'm not going to say I was anticipating that this was going to happen, that I was expecting that there would be a massacre at Sangoma's hut. But when it happened, I was like, no, that makes perfect sense. Like, this is a logical outcome to how Leopard and Tracker left Kava and the situation involving him. Because he's, Leopard even spells it out. He's young, He's as young and impetuous as Tracker is, despite the fact that in some ways he's wiser than Tracker. In other ways, he's as or more immature. Yeah. So, of course, feeling betrayed by Tracker and Leopard, feeling betrayed by Sangoma, who sent Le Leopard and Tracker off on this errand together, what's he going to do? He's going to run back to the Ku tribe and rat everyone out so that he can feel like a big man and he can get revenge on all the people who wronged him. It's so out of whack. 
It's so out of whack. It's a completely human response, it, especially it, for a teenager. It It is, but just the loss of life over being butthurt about something that didn't even happen. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, part of that is on Tracker's head, because he could have cleared things up before he left, but he's too stubborn to just tell Kava nothing's going on. I know. And so this Kava is... reads into it, blows it out of proportion, and a bunch of people end up dead because of it. So I'm not saying that it's Tracker's fault, but I'm saying that he does shoulder a little bit of the blame here. Yeah. This is that stupid trope that keeps showing up in movies where the whole plot would be undone if the characters just talked to each other. And unfortunately, when you're a stupid teenager, sometimes you bottle up what should be said. Again, it's a completely human response. Um, I it was, still agree. It was dumb and it was stupid and it makes perfect sense. I'm not <laughs> saying it was a dumb and stupid plot point and I'm not saying that it wasn't well executed. I'm saying that Tracker and Kava both acted dumb and stupid, which is completely in keeping with their characters. At this point, and, yes. And a bunch of people end up dead. And the killing is not over, by the way. Oh, no. And here's the thing. Kava doesn't survive the paragraph. No. Pretty much not. <laughs> that, he, that he arrives in. He's doomed by his actions. Uh, and Tracker is out for blood. He waits until one man peels off from the camp to go and answer the call of nature. Oh, you and, put it so much more politely than he did. And uh, straight murders that guy and does so in a fairly brash way because he could probably have dispatched the guy quietly and still had the element of surprise. But no, Tracker's here to announce his presence. Yes. He manages to kill another man out of a tree that he climbed, that he scrambles up. And then Kava catches him and knocks him down and starts to strangle him. Demands again to know if Tracker slept with Leopard because Kava just wants the satisfaction of hearing it at this point. And Tracker answers him by slitting his throat. Yeah. Yeah. So Kava is dead. Yes. The others kind of scatter in, in the confusion because things are just, it's chaos right now. A wild man has descended on the camp. Basically. And is just murdering people left and right. Hank Witchman runs for his life and is Tracker's next victim. He chases him through the dark using his the skills he's developed over the last couple months in the bush. Yep. With, ironically, with Kava. I know. And with Leopard and dispatches him as well. So Hank Witchman out of the picture. Next victim. <laughs> I, did, I did like Tracker's little rant about why the witchman couldn't find any witchcraft on him. Because there was no witchcraft. Because there was no witchcraft on him. Yep. He has a he's a delightful paragraph saying that he wanted to tell him, like, look, the reason you couldn't find me is because she wasn't a witch. You were wrong. Ha ha. Uh, it was too late, though, because he was already dead. Yep. The last two tribesmen are panicked, but beloved uncle basically bribes them to stay and protect him. And they're just no match for oh, Tracker. Also, beloved uncle is there. Oh, yeah, I mentioned he was, the <laughs> he was the leader of this pack of people. Yeah. Tracker pretty expertly dispatches both of them with his uh, discovered skill at throwing hatchets, actually. <laughs> well, and so We know he's no good at archery. Yeah. So it leaves him and his uncle alone. And Beloved Uncle does try to run, but Tracker knifes him in the thigh to bring him down and then kind of demands some answers. Yeah. Then they have a talk. Beloved Uncle starts out by calling out to the gods for help, and Tracker's like, my dude, they're not here to help you. Oh. It's just you and me. Oh, honey child. Um, so Tracker kind of presses him like, oh, did you feel like a big man killing those kids? Did it? Did did they scream for you? And Beloved Uncle tries to shake him by being like, yeah, they did scream. They screamed a lot when we lit them all on fire. And Tracker is actually shaken by that. And to his credit, he even thinks in this moment, like, I hope I'm never 
the kind of person who wouldn't be shaken by someone saying something so monstrous right? and doing something so monstrous. So that actually speaks very well to Tracker. Exactly. He's not one of those cold-hearted, emotionless anti-heroes. Yeah, he's been shown to be a bit of a badass so far, even from the first chapter. But it's been tinged with this heart of gold. Like even in the first chapter when he recounts the time that he went and retrieved a dude's wayward wife, he brought her back despite her protestations and despite her being like, my husband is a monster. I do not want to go back to him. He was like, you're coming back with me. Dropped her off, got his payment, but also was like, by the way, you should totes poison that guy. And yeah. here's how you do it. Like, this is this is how to make your situation actually better. Yeah. Don't he, run. <laughs> Kill the man. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he still wants to get paid, but he's not heartless. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because if he were cold and heartless, this would be much harder to read. Yeah. Beloved Uncle curses at him, saying, look, kid, I knew you were going to be trouble the day you showed up on my doorstep. But harboring Mingi children is way beyond the pale. Like, our village was already in trouble. The hunting was bad. The season was terrible. And, like, all of these Mingi children are nearby, and that's the reason why. So the fact that you were protecting them and bringing doom on all of us yeah. is unimaginable. You were just collecting curses out in the woods, making things terrible. And Tracker's like, oh, look, dude, I used to think that's how it works. That's not how it works. Well, not only that, he also points out, my dude, Kava was the one who was protecting them. He was the one who... Like, yeah. roped me into his business. He took me out there. But, of course, Kava covered his butt when he betrayed the Sangoma and Tracker and Leopard and yeah. said that Tracker was the one who was in league with them and that, I guess, he'd followed him out there and discovered it. Yeah. Also, Kava's dead right now. So he can't really account for himself. Not really. Yeah. Beloved Uncle says, look, I'm the only family you have. I'm the only home you have. If you do anything to me, that's it. You're done. You are a man without a home, a man without a family, a man without a tribe. Tracker's like, that's what I wanted all along. Pretty much. So beloved uncle switches tactics and he's like, if you kill me, like you've already shed all this blood, you know how we treat grudges. What does it mean? It means Omata. It means Rewenge. We will never stop until you're dead. You may as well slit your throat right now. And Tracker literally yawns at him at that moment and is like, seriously, that's the best you've got? Because I've seen how good you are at killing folks having just murdered like six of you <laughs> not particularly worried not super worried about it also you were relying on me to get revenge on the gingatom tribe so y'all aren't doing so good on the revenging i'm not impressed yeah you were supposed to to kill all these gingatom people for us you were supposed to avenge the family and all you've done is do the gingatom's work and kill us instead no one is going to have you now because even the Gingatom don't kill their own. And Tracker's like, you know, beloved uncle, I've been doing some thinking these last few months. Why did the Gingatom never come for you if there was all this revenging going on? Why do you know so much about the city and possess all this luxury amongst the Ku tribe? Could it be because you fled with my grandfather, who I thought was my father? And then eventually made your way back to the coup after you'd made it and could live like a king amongst the tribals? Like, outright calls him coward. Yeah. This is the point where Uncle finally, like, is besmirched. How dare you! And, and like, 
clutching his pearls. Yeah, and and actually like takes a swing at Tracker and is promptly pincushioned by Leopard. Yeah, that was dark but satisfying. Yeah, um, Tracker is a little alarmed that Leopard has shown up with the remaining Mingy children and is like, "This was not for their eyes." And Leopard chides him and is like, "No, it absolutely was for their <laughs> eyes. The revenge was." For them. Yeah. It was on their behalf. It was avenging what happened to the, the their fellow Mingi children, what happened to the Sangoma. This was, as as much as it might have been very personally satisfying for Tracker to rid himself of all of that baggage, the revenge was for the kids. Oh, yeah. And Leopard's argument here is like, no, no, they needed to see it done. And say what you Close, will. Closure, but, if you will. Yeah. And say what you will about whether or not that's appropriate. Certainly, to Leopard, I can see why that would seem appropriate yeah and in a weird way kind of an honorable thing for him to do like again i'm certainly not condoning murder and i'm certainly not condoning a cycle of revenge and i'm certainly not saying children should be exposed to violence like that (laughs) but putting myself in leopard's shoes as it were pause pause feet feet pause depending on where on the spectrum he has changed (laughs) it seems like an honorable act it seems noble of him in that moment mm-hmm. and in that context and in that society. So it actually, it makes me like Leopard a little bit more. I think that's a good thing. So what do you do with five cursed children that you don't necessarily want to keep because you're two swinging bachelors who aren't, <laughs> yes. aren't exactly equipped. Swinging bachelors. Who aren't exactly equipped to look after five. Mingy children? Well, I was I was actually going to say five hapless orphans. <laughs> well, they are hapless orphans. Indeed. Technically. Where do you go? You go, apparently, to the Gingatom tribe, which is where we smash cut to. Hooray! Yeah, apparently the Gingatom are actually a little more progressive than the Koo when it comes to their superstitions. And they do not believe in Mingi curses. They have no problem with misshapen children. They're just like, they're just kids. Yeah. Who cares? They're still still kids. Now, the Gingatom do have one issue with them showing up, and that is that Tracker is of the Ku tribe, who they have a blood feud with. Right? Hmm. <laughs> Leopard smooths things over initially by presenting a Samba Sam's head as an offering. Apparently, the chief of the Gingatom tribe has had some experience with these two particular monsters in the past. Yeah, lost his sister. Yeah, and so... Seeing a Samba Sam dead <laughs> is very satisfying for him. Right? Also, it means there's one less monster out there. Uh, certainly one less monster. If nothing else, there is one less horrible monster out yeah. there. Tracker then offers up Beloved Uncle's head. And the Gingatom... Which he kept. Yeah. Ew. And the Gingatom chief is like, all right, well, kudos, because that guy was a jerk, and I certainly didn't like him, and he's a hated enemy. But also, like, wasn't that your Beloved Uncle? We kind of frown on kinslaying around here. <laughs> round round these parts. He makes it pretty clear that, okay, you've you've at least earned fair hearing of whatever business you're up to. But right. you're, you're certainly not staying in the tribe. Yeah. All right. We're not going to kill you. But we're not going to keep you. But we're either. not going to keep you. But he's also kind of canny to the situation. He's like, and I don't suspect you were going to ask for us to take you in. This doesn't seem like what you're about. <laughs> You don't, you didn't bring your stuff. Yeah. I don't think you're moving in. And I mean, Tracker's kind of like, yeah, no, that's, that's the case. Uh, I'm not here looking for a home. We're looking for a home for these kids. They pretty much happily accept the Mingi children. 
which made me feel better. Yeah, the Gingatom tribe pretty much just takes them right in as though they were their own. They have no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, well, they're kids that need a home. Yeah. They're kids that have been through something horrific. Mm-hmm. It, it would be heartless to turn them away. The only exception is the smoke girl, who might be a ghost. It's <sighs> very unclear. No, Very few people seem to be able to see her, but Leopard and Tracker sure can. Yes. But Leopard is a little supernatural, and Tracker has, like, a whiff of supernatural about him, so maybe that's why. Maybe. They're a little, they're a little touched by magic, and so they can sense her. Maybe. Who's to say? I don't know how Smoke Girl works. She has kind of imprinted on Tracker, and we knew that even from chapters. Oh, yeah. Ago. And so she's a little harder to shake, and Tracker kind of has to forcefully drive her off. He feels sad doing it, but he also knows, like, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, she can't come with us. No. We can't look after her. Yeah, she needs to be somewhere where she can be looked after. So he's like, listen, you need to go haunt the Gingatom tribe now. Go away. (laughs) Well, he and. He does that whole, like, yeah, get out of here. I hate you. Yeah, Leave me alone. She, she, He, Harry, and the Hendersons her. He, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> get out of here! Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Why can't you go back where you came from? Now leave us alone! Like, do this for your own good. And it just, it broke it broke my heart again. It's like, oh, smoke girl. Probably the right thing to do, though. I know, but still... The duo then travel on to a place called Fasisi, which is apparently the capital of the north. And fun to say. A, a great city. And they stay there for a couple weeks, and then Leopard starts to get a little, like, antsy and decides, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of tired of the city. I'm kind of tired of living like a man. Time for me to head back out in the bush. And the two of them part ways. It's strongly implied on, on fairly mutual terms. Yeah. And then Leopard is just in the wind for years. Yeah. And we kind of make a big jump cut. Before the end of the chapter. jump cut. Like, did not see this coming. Yeah, years pass. Uh, Tracker continues to work as a bounty hunter and becomes, it's implied, rather successful as it actually. Uh, He had to change cities. Uh, He made too many enemies in Vasisi and had to move to Malakal. Yes. (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Like, oh, you need to get a little bit better at your job. Yeah, but uh, eventually, there, Leopard returns one night into town. And Tracker can, like, smell him coming a mile away. Oh, yeah would know that particular brand of funk anywhere. Yeah, they they meet up at a tavern. Uh, there's a couple really great lines of, like, banter as they reacquaint each other. <laughs> like, Leopard's like, oh, you're a grown man now. You look good. And Tracker's just like, you look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You look the same. Leopard's like, has business been good? And he's like, good enough to pay for whatever meal we're having at the tavern because I notice you don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's the, it's the kind of like casual camaraderie of two people who know each other very well, even though they haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. I have a feeling we're in for a lot of this through the rest of this book, and it makes me happy. And this is where Leopard offers him a job. He's like, I've got work that might be up your alley. He says, I need you to help me find a fly. And that... End of chapter. (laughs) Is end of chapter, yes. So, he requires someone of a particular skill. I quite liked this chapter. Despite the rather grisly events events of the chapter, and certainly I, again, I'm not exactly saying that I'm thrilled that a bunch of innocent children got killed, but from a narrative standpoint, this chapter really flew by. Uh, yeah, was it was exciting. A, a very quick read, I found. It was the climax and closing action of like chapter one of Tracker's life, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, because it all of the all of the business with the Ku tribe comes to a head. 
and then we get like this like very satisfying denouement with the Gingatom tribe and the rest of the Mingi children. And then we just like cut ahead to the next bit of business. And I actually really liked that. Uh, I, I wrote myself a note. I think we're finally getting to the story. I also suspect that. I think that the business Leopard has come to track her with at this juncture is the plot yes. of the book. Yes. Yeah. I think we're finally getting to the story we've been promised. And it yeah. took a whole third of the book. But here we go. So I'm, I am keen. Yeah. Yeah, I am also keen. So yeah, here we are on the precipice of the, of the big story that we're going to get from this book. Mm -hmm. We know a lot about the world we're in, uh, especially in this last chapter. We know a lot about our protagonist's uh, character and more importantly, his moral compass, right? So that's good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious about where we're going to go next. Speaking to his moral compass, it is fascinating to me. He did not care for Sangoma. The two of them did not even part on particularly good terms. Nope. But he had grown fond of the Mingi children in the time that he was there. And it legitimately kind of horrified him that Sangoma was dead. Whether he liked her or not, he recognized that she was looking after the kids that he had grown to care about in the last few months. And seeing her dead was as much a shock to him as seeing the children dead. And that that speaks well to his character. I agree. Absolutely. We were we were talking about in previous chapters how just in some ways we couldn't even with Tracker because he was <laughs> such an immature child. And he grew up a lot in this chapter. He really did. And in a good way. Yeah. That, yeah. And then thank goodness. Yeah. Well, you'll want to read up on chapter six in time for next week as yes. we move over the spooky Halloween. The beginning of part two. There's a whole new map and everything. Indeed. Quite so. Um, so you'll want to familiarize yourself with the locations Absolutely. And, and read up on that chapter. So as we uh, transition into that new part of the book, uh, it's a good time to look to the future. And wouldn't you know it, longtime sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network, ATB Financial, has a new podcast all about looking to the future. It's a very good Scott segue. Today I want to tell you about ATB's new podcast, The Future Of... Join Todd Hirsch, ATB's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, the future of helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two episodes each month, plus bonus episodes, The Future Of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. And connect to ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. Yeah, The Future Of sounds neat it does and you can check that out right now while you're doing that you can also head over to albertapodcastnetwork.com which hosts a plethora of podcasts myriad podcasts if you will indeed they are available for your perusal on the Quite. website there are podcasts on numerous topics and not all of them are alberta centric so goodness no check some of them out we've got podcasts on just general tech news on uh broad education topics on movies. Oh, heaven help you if you go to the sports section. Yeah. Well, the sports stuff is 
Sporty. Sporty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you can go check that out right now. Once again, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Then you can find that podcast on your podcatcher of choice, most certainly. Oh, almost guaranteed. Yeah. While you're there, maybe give us a little rating and a review that helps us to uh, rise up the rankings a little bit. Also, we appreciate feedback. We do. If you have some feedback for us, you can reach out to us via social media. Ah, here is the list. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read-along, wherever the at is appropriate. Yeah, or you can just find us under the read-along by searching for us, almost certainly. You can also send us an email. We are the readalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Excellent story times, yeah. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 